0: I feel like I've been invited to the prom. (laughs) Thank you, honey. I know you were probably forced in this, a gun to your head. But thank you so much. This is my Christmas. This is your Christmas present. Oh, my, you are too funny. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Welcome back to Living and Learning. I'm Reba McIntyre. Well, this episode is bittersweet because it's our last episode of season two. It has me reflecting on some of the amazing conversations I had this year, like talking to Keith Urban about Johnny Cash, how much we love him so much and how much we love performing at Caesars. Then, of course, Gene Smart. We got to talking about why would we stop doing what we love so much? She's just going to continue acting, which praise the Lord for that. And I loved catching up with my buddy, Trisha Yearwood, because she's so funny and one of my best friends in the music business. I just love her to pieces. And then I absolutely loved getting to share Rex Lynn, my boyfriend, with y'all. I even learned some things about Rex I didn't know, so that was really special to me. And this last episode is going to be a real treat. Our guest today is a hoot, and I can't wait to talk with her. She's a hilarious comedian who's ruthless about all of the relatable things you just have to laugh about. Welcome to my show, Leanne Morgan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, you
0: said we met. Please refresh my memory. Forgive me for not remembering. Honey, I know you're a big dog, honey. I know you could, You had people swarming around you. It was at the CMA after party at Brooks and Dunn's do that you did with them before the COVID. Okay. Ronnie's wife, Janine, found me and became a fan about something about menopause video I did, and they invited me, and it was the niftiest thing I've ever seen. And you said, who are you? And we blocked eyes, and I thought, she's got one of the tiniest fannies I've ever seen. I thought, if I ever make it in show business, I've got to quit eating. Because look at little tiny Reba's oh little God. fanny and legs. That's what I thought. And I told Hugh, I said, I feel like I've met the, the president of the United States. Oh, you are too cute. And Reba, this is the crazy thing. People have said to me all of my life since I was a little bitty girl. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm 56 years old, so um, we're close the same age. But when you hit it big, people would say to me, you sound like Reba McIntyre. Can you sing? And I'd be like, Lord, no. I can't sing. I want to. But people have told me that all my life. And the funny part about it, when I first started singing,
1: doing concerts with Red Steagall, and I'd open the show for Mel Tillis, and I always wanted to tell the jokes and be funny. And finally, after one show, Mama looked at me. She said, Reba, shut up. Just sing. Leave the funny stories and the, the jokes to the people who are funny. And I well, that kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> but I I stuck with it. If I do say anything, though, I have to really think about it and get prepared. Yeah. And I don't think you're that way at all. I think you just, you're funny all the time,
0: aren't you? Well, kind of. Re- well, no, not at- Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think because of my accent, I think because of my accent, things that, you know, I could say Clorox wipes, you know, and I could kind of put a funny spin on it. <laughs> Yeah. But my act, I mean, that takes a long time. and I-,
1: mm-hmm. I know. Where do you get your material? When we were doing the Reba TV show, they would come pitch a story to me and I'd say, okay, where did this come from? They said, well, we were in the writer's room and trying to come up with an idea. And so-and-so said, y'all aren't going to believe. You're just not going to believe what my Aunt Thelma did last week. And they would form a, an episode off of his aunt Thelma, or somebody that did something silly. So, where do you get your
0: material? Um, it's from my family and my everyday life, and you know, going to jazzercise or uh-huh. um, going to see Deaf Leopard and Journey, or with my husband, or but my kids mainly. I mean, I'm I'm a storyteller, and I started doing this when my baby child was about eighteen months old. She's twenty three, about to turn twenty four. Wow! And so I started in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. My husband had bought a used mobile home business that refurbished mobile homes. Never stepped in a trailer before. He moved me up there, and I started selling jewelry to women like Tupperware, and and to so that I could be with people and meet people and make a little money. And I started really that was my comedy club. But it was I started telling stories about being pregnant and breastfeeding and hemorrhoids, and then. And that resonated with people. And so when I finally got to go to a club and really started doing comedy, we moved to Texas. And then my babies were, you know, playing T-ball and I'd pick them up in the pickup line. And my middle child would slap me in the back of the head with the backpack. She'd be so tired and hungry. And <laughs> but anyway, it was it's always been for my children, my husband. Yeah. Because that's all I know. I mean, I've raised three children. My husband's an executive with a company. So he would be gone, trying to make a living for all of us. And I would get an idea from something that would happen, picking them up from school, something on the T-ball field, me going to Weight Watchers, you know, everyday life. I feel like Jerry Seinfeld can write a joke about a cotton ball. I don't have that gift. There's people who are brilliant, know how to write a joke. I don't know how to do that. I just tell stories and things that happen to me that I find funny. And
1: everybody else does too, evidently.
0: I guess so, honey. Everybody feels fat in their pants and everybody's raised a bunch of kids and, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Things they can relate to. Yeah. That's what I always thought was
1: a a successful country song is when people can relate to it. When I sing something, they'll say, oh, you're, you're singing that exactly to me, straight to me, because I
0: can relate to it. Yes. But to work out a new 45 minutes or an hour, it's hard. Yeah. And in this day and age, with everything going on the Internet, you know, they consider that burned material for a comedian. And then you got to come up with a whole new hour. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. My first 45 minutes took me 10 years. Wow. But I was also Reba, raising a bunch of kids and doing what I could. Uh-huh. I couldn't go out and work every night because, I, you know, I wanted to raise my own children. And so I just tried, to, I had to carve a path out in a different way than most comedians. You know, God put his hand on me and, and put me in places with people that lifted me up and gave me a chance. Because, you know, to be a comedy club comic, you got to be out in comedy clubs every week and go, be gone five days a week. And, and my husband, honey, had the health insurance and was the provider. We needed him to keep working like a dog. So I, I just had to chuck and jive where I could. So you know, I do shows for their school. I do churches every once in a while. I do little private corporate things. I and then then I'd get on a tour with other female comedians, and we'd do dates. You know, so anyway, I, it's hard to come up with that material, but especially now when my I had all these children and it was they were at home with me, and and I could find stories every second of the day. And then they went through middle school and said, do not speak my name. Mm -hmm. And I I couldn't talk about them. That was a dry time. But now, see, they're grown and they don't live with me, Reba. And it's hard. I I, Now it's me talking about my stomach and Uh my pants and my husband, you know, my hormones. Now I'm in menopause. So I'm really just talking about what's going on at that time, at that day. But when you and I met at that CMA after party, you were about to start this podcast. And I said, oh, what are you going to talk about? And you said, you know, things about life and having elderly parents and launching children and all those kind of things. And I think that's wonderful. That's I mean, that's the stage of life I'm in. I've got my little mom and daddy. I've got my husband's little mama. Mm hmm. And I've got children, you know, launching into the world. I've got my first grandbaby. Yeah. All those things, you know, people can relate to. Oh, absolutely.
1: Who do you try out besides a comedy club? Would you set your kids and your husband down on the couch and say, all right, listen to this routine I've got, these jokes. Would you ever try it
0: out on them? I try it out on my kids. My husband, I know he thinks I'm funny, but in my mind, he's my harshest critic. Not harsh, Mm -hmm. but he just... He's very introverted. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. So I don't run it by big old Chuck. I run it by my kids and I run it by my girlfriends. And when my kids were in school, we would all go to McDonald's after school or Chick-fil-A, you know, on the way to some practice. Uh And I would be standing out by an SUV and trying it out with women. That was my best audience Uh is I would try it out with girlfriends and people And I just went out with a bunch of my friends for Christmas and we went out to dinner. If I'm talking about something and trying something, I can try it out with them. And and I don't even tell them I'm doing it. Yeah. But if I get a reaction out of them, I think, okay, this may have legs. It's that kind of thing. I talk it over with my friends mainly. Mm -hmm. But my kids are funny. My kids are funny and they've got a good sense of humor. And you know what? I think this grandbaby has got a good sense of humor. He knows when to laugh. Well, how old is your grandbaby right now? He just turned a year old last week. He started walking officially two days ago. We all have screamed our heads off. Oh, cute. He lives 20 minutes from me. He's at daycare today. I would be raising him because I am from the country of 500 people in Middle Tennessee, a farming community outside of Nashville on the Kentucky-Tennessee border near Clarksville. And if I didn't have a big tour, I would be raising him because in the country, me meemaw, stay at home. And raise a baby. Yeah. And I'd be making pinto beans and they could let him off in the yard. And we would have a ball and we would take naps together and all that. But I said to my husband, I said, Should I quit this tour so I can take care of Charles Wilbur? And he said, Good Lord, Leanne. no, you need to keep making that money. These children need that money. Lord, you're gonna to have to help all these kids. But I would <laughs> I wish I could raise him, but his little mama works full time. My boy works full time. My daughter-in-law is going to MBA school. Oh, wow. Good for her. I know. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. But it's hard on her. You know, it's hairy. We're all helping. Yeah. My daughters live here too. My middle child works for a children's hospital here and raises money for them in nonprofit. Uh-huh. My baby child is a makeup artist, professional makeup artist, and she's going to move to do a film in New Orleans for Sony. So she helps with the baby and picks him up. My husband- has a car seat we all have car seats we all go and pick him up at uh-huh. at daycare and we and I get him when I'm off the road I try to to get him you know once or twice a week when I'm not out but they're working me like a dog Reba I know I'm going and doing I'm off these two weeks and then I go back out yeah. and I usually work like three cities in a weekend yeah
1: I like to do just three then go home the pop rock People when they go out and they'll be out on the road for 18 months and then go home for a year. And, and I like a little bit at a time. Once you get tired of the road, you're back home. And once you get tired of home, you get to go back out on the road. Right. So it right. Keeps things interesting. Right. I've got the attention span of a two year old, so <laughs> that works really good for me. <laughs> So you started out early. You got encouragement from your mom, just like I got encouragement from my mama. What would we do without our mamas? Bless I their hearts. I love them so much. The one thing I read about you that I thought was so interesting, your mama kept you from kindergarten, let you skip that so you could stay home, and watch
0: TV. Yeah. She'd say, does your stomach hurt? And I go, well, kind of. And she'd say, okay, let's stay home and watch Hollywood Squares. Or match game. But it was because, <laughs> Reba, my mama is very, very smart and, and reads all the time and, and didn't go to college, married young, had my sister and I young, but um, has always loved to learn and didn't want me to keep from learning. Uh-huh. But that in the state of Tennessee, that law had not changed that your baby had to be five before you send them to kindergarten. So I was four. Oh. And she knew that I needed a big nap. And so she, she just started keeping me at home. And she said, you're smarter than all them anyway. <laughs> and they, my little mom and daddy had a, a grocery store, the only little grocery store in the town of 500 people and a farm. And my mama would work at the cash register and smoke cigarettes and let me sit in her lap and and do the um, cash register. And we'd talk and dazzle people. And so I kind of, instead of going to kindergarten, I worked in a grocery store and drank tab and watched her smoke. <laughs> and we, and then we would stay at home and watch match game. I mean, is that crazy? But we had a ball. Oh and we loved um comedy. She loved she's always loved, you know, Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, and Red Skelton, and me too. Yeah. The day I got to meet
1: Lily Tomlin and uh, Carol Burnett was one of the happiest days of my life. My people that I'd looked up to and and watched their shows and their movies. I love to be around people who are funny. That's why I love to hang out with Melissa Peterman, uh-huh. my sidekick on the Reba TV
0: show. Oh yes, she is so funny. Just so much fun. And yes, I want to be around fun people, not butthole people. Oh, never, never. Okay, let me tell you another connection I have with you, Mike Clements. Oh my, yummy. Mike Clements was my producer on my first television deal with ABC and Warner Brothers that did not make it. Yeah. I have all kinds of deals that never make it. But anyway, Paula Dean was going to play my mother. Oh, my gosh. Mike Clements would tell me Reba stories all the time, and he worships you. (laughs) And he said, oh, she is so darling and fun. And I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, but everybody I've talked to said, oh, she is so down to earth and so precious. Oh, that's nice to hear. They do. They say it. And let me tell you this. This was one of my big moments where I thought, oh, my gosh, I may have made it. I was in Durant, Oklahoma, the week before you were. Yeah, at the Choctaw. I did a night, one night at that casino, and your, your picture was everywhere, and you were going to be there the next week. Yeah. And I called my people, my mom and my cousins, everybody, and sent them a picture, and they were like, oh, my Lord. And so that was a big deal for me. And I was like, where's Reba going to sleep? Can you show me her door? That kind of thing. So anyway, I was in Durant. That was a wonderful casino, that Choctaw Casino. I love it. I do too.
1: I usually play it every weekend after Thanksgiving. But of course, last year we didn't get to because of COVID.
0: Yeah. That's what they told me, that you were raised near there.
1: Oh, yeah. Just up the road. Matter of fact, I went to college there at Durant.
0: Oh, so you get to be with your family and then do a show. Yeah. When I
1: do a concert, People expect me to do the songs that have become hits over the last 50 years. I didn't get a number one record till I was in the business uh, probably seven years. My audience, they want to hear the songs that are recognizable. Is that the same thing in your business? They want to hear the same stories and the same jokes, or do they expect
0: new material all the time? Well, first of all, Rave, I'm so jealous of you and country music, <laughs> Because they do want to hear everything you've ever done. And how wonderful. In our business, I think half do and half don't. Mm. Half get mad at you and, and think, why didn't you do the competition cheer joke about the little children in little whore outfits? And then the other half of the people are like, I've heard that. She's doing old material. You know, this is, I don't hear anything new. Yeah. And they get upset. So we're different. We're caught in a hard spot right now in the comedy world. Somebody like Jim Gaffigan is coming out with a new special every year. And, you know, it used to be Eddie Murphy had one special in how many years? 20? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And so it's just a different animal now. Comics sit around and, and we're bitter when we sit and talk about, <laughs> oh, you know, everybody wants to hear Eric Clapton sing his wonderful hits. You know all of that, Reba's wonderful hats, I mean, I'll have a bunch of people go, "Why didn't you do the so and so and I think, mm-hmm. I wanted to, yeah, I'm trying to figure out now on this tour of mine. I've got a hundred city tour biggest things ever happened to me, Reba, and i'm fifty six years old. I'm so happy for you, thank you, and I thought it was going to happen when I was a lot thinner and younger, but oh well, I'll take it, but um. <laughs> But in this Hundred City Tour, I'm trying to figure out, should I do an encore maybe and do the old, because people love to, me talking about the cheer out fence. Uh-huh. That's a good one about my my middle child being mean when she was 16, because a lot of people feel, you know, teenage girls can be real hateful and everybody, you know, that's a thing they go through. Oh, yeah. And everybody can relate to it. and then they come back around, they end up your best friend. But when they're in high school, they're so hateful and we're scared of them. <laughs> The Deaf Leopard and Journey has been a huge hit of me taking my husband and looking at old people going to concerts. You know, everybody's got plantar fasciitis when they're walking out of Thompson Bowling Arena. And I know you've played there several times. Mm. People love that one. And I love to do it. It's so fun to do. But I, I may do an encore and try to do my, my new hour and then an encore. I'm trying to figure that out. And And we're always
1: wanting to do material, new material that we can promote the new album. And Elton John used to say, all right, we're going to do some new songs. So anybody that don't want to hear them, this is a good time for you to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Just right out front, acknowledge that this is not usually the favorite of the audience, but you know, you got to get your new material out there the way we are. And I like that idea about doing the new stuff and then leave them with the favorites. That's a great idea. I'm going to vote for that. Who did you grow up listening to? Who's your favorite comedians?
0: Oh, my gosh. I loved Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, Red Skelton. I would watch them with my little mom and daddy and my grandparents. Oh, yeah. I love Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And my dad would get so mad at me and my mom and say, she doesn't need to be watching this filth. But we loved Jim Belushi and Gilda Radner and all of them. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. I've always loved comedy. The Ellen DeGeneres, when she first started, she blew me away. Uh Roseanne on The Tonight Show blew me away. Jay Leno, I love. I just got to do a co-headline with Jeff Foxworthy, two shows, and he was precious. And I've always looked up to him. And he was so gracious to me. I felt like I need to go in the hospital. I was so overwhelmed. There's, I just don't know anybody I don't like. I I love Chris Rock. I love Dave Chappelle. Oh, me too. I love Dave Chappelle. I love Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And even though I'm pretty clean, you know, if something's dirty, if it's funny, you know, it doesn't bother me just because I'm not uh-huh. blue. You know, I I enjoy all kinds of comedians. Amy Schumer. Yeah. Chelsea Handler. Yeah. You know, I've been to several comedy festivals and worked with several people. Caroline Ray. I've never gotten to work with Melissa Peterman, but I've always thought she was funny. And I know she's your big buddy. Oh, you guys would have a blast.
1: You would have a blast with her. You know, I never got to watch Saturday Night Live because I was always working on Saturday night. Even when I was in high school or college. And when we play clubs, honky tonks, rodeos, whatever we could. But later on in my career, I got to do a, be a part of a movie called North. And I got to be with Dan Aykroyd in that movie. And I thought he'd just be funny all the time. He's very serious. Is he? He's a very serious man. And introverted? Like Steve Martin is. When you meet them, it's not like Robin Williams. Robin was always cutting up and being funny constantly. But I sure enjoyed being around him. He was very intelligent.
0: Oh, my gosh. And didn't he have a beautiful wife? I didn't get to meet her. And she was in that TV sitcom with um, Tom Hanks that I used to love. And I can't remember what that was because I'm have brain fog. I'm in menopause. (laughs) I I can't think of my name. But all that, I've always loved television. I love sitcoms. Me too. My dream was to have a sitcom. Me being my age, growing up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, and I knew I wanted to be in show business when I was five. But I thought, oh, I'm going to be a sitcom star. And so I've had all these sitcom deals that have never made it. I've got one right now and who knows what will happen. But I've watched yours. But that was my idea of making it. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, it's just so hard to get anything on TV. It was when I started, but now, I mean, with streaming and all that, who knows what's going to happen. But this live tour has, um, I couldn't even imagine how wonderful this was. I know you've always been in front of big crowds. This is, I just never even dreamed it would be this wonderful. And so it was even sweeter than what I imagined.
1: Oh, I'm so happy for you. Why did you call it the Big Panty Tour? Or how did you get that idea?
0: I love it. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I've had people say to me, I've had one, some of my good friends, they go, well, I don't wear big panties, so I can't come. And I'm like, good Lord, that's not what that means. Okay, anybody, even if you've got a little fanny, you can come. I noticed that women were coming to my shows. I would meet people afterwards and they'd go, oh, I brought an extra pair of panties because I've peed. And somebody'd say they've pee peed during my show. I mean, that's a big deal. That that is a good sign. Yeah. Darling, women would say, "Oh, I brought an extra pair of underwear," and they'd bring out their underwear, and it would be this huge pair of flesh-colored panties from Costco. You know that you can get three in a pack. And I and I have changed my panties in the last several years. I have gone to a high-cut leg brief that covers my stomach. And has got a little microfiber in it. And I don't know, I just thought at this stage in my life, I just got to studying about my panties. And I thought, you know, I want to be comfortable. I wanna have a good time. I deserve to, you know, be comfortable in my own skin at fifty six years old and and big panties, a Mm -hmm. good big comfortable pair of panties just means that to me, says that to me, you know. Freedom, comfort. There you go. And you're free to talk about it if you want to. Yeah. Do you ever have any hecklers in the audience? Not usually. I think because I am pretty self-deprecating. I don't go after anybody. Nobody's ever come for me. Uh-huh. I do think I'll every once in a while a little woman will have too much to drink and yell C-section. You know, she just wants <laughs> to be part of the show. Yeah, exactly. Wants to tell me about her birthing or whatever, but not usually. I mean, there might be just darling women wanting to whoop it up. Uh Because I think this, Reba, in the comedy world, there's not many people like me speaking to everyday women out in the middle of the United States. True. That's so true. And so I think when they do finally get to come to a show, a lot of the women that come to my theaters to come to this tour have never been to a comedy club. Or never bought a ticket to go see a comedian. And they're they are ready to have a good time. And you talking about the sweetest, cutest people in the world. Yeah. And during this pandemic, when they announced my tour, and it was the biggest thing that ever happened to me, and I started spending that money in my head. And I thought, I'm gonna I'm gonna finally replace these toilets. My husband's very tight free, but very frugal and has made us a wonderful living, but no luxury, wants us to suffer. And I thought, I'm going to redo some of this and I'm going to get rid of this old lighting and all that. And then, but darn, if the mean, stupid COVID didn't come. And I thought, well, my life is over. And I stared into space. Uh But these women, these fans, it grew even bigger during the pandemic. And they started sharing, I'd say something about fixing my little mama some jello salad. A gelatin or a fluff, uh-huh. because she has had a stroke three years ago, and she has to have pureed foods. Oh! And women started sending me recipes, mailing Jello molds to me for my little mama. Oh! And then you know, I put on Facebook. Well, I've just made a blueberry salad, and then Diane and Fargo would say, "You know what? Maybe you ought to try a little pie filling in there." And then somebody, you know, in Durant, Oklahoma, would say. Well you know I like a cream cheese topping more than mm-hmm. I do and it became this big bunch of best friends yeah and and they and I'm and I know they worship you I'm sure they worship you it was very very sweet I just couldn't believe it and my grandbaby being born, everybody's wanted to hear about my grandbaby and my mama Lucille how's Lucille doing uh-huh. and everybody's just been precious and if they do. You know, post a clip about me talking about you know trying to lose weight on Weight Watchers or whatever. Everybody then tells me their story. You know, and they they mm-hmm. type out their thing with Weight Watchers, so it's really been really sweet, sweeter than I ever thought it was going to be. Oh, I love that. It is so funny that they
1: do want to know more about you, get into your personal life. They just want to share with you. I'll never forget. We, you know, we'll promote stuff on social media and get a few hits, and then I put up a picture of Mama unwrapping her birthday present, and she's got a Bud Light sitting right there beside the recliner. And 80,000 hits immediately. Your mom loves Bud Light? That's my favorite beer. I said, yeah, mama likes Bud Light.
0: Yeah. Oh, Reba, I bet. Go figure. I bet that people want to see your little mama and see you at Cracker Barrel. Mm -hmm. What is Reba going to order? Uh-huh. You know, dumplings? What is she getting? I bet you have that where people are like, Reba's my friend. You know, she could be my friend. If I lived in Durant we went to college with each other, we would have, you know, drank Bud Light and had a cigarette behind a dumpster. I, but I think, I, and you know, I, I, I know that I'm not Reba McIntyre, but I do feel like that has been the biggest blessing of all this is that people feel that connection to me. I love that. And I just didn't realize what that was, what fame was or what, you know, the entertainment industry. I didn't understand that part of it. Either you've got it or you don't. Mm hmm. And when I was at that party at that CMA party, when you open your mouth, when you would go to sing at that microphone, people just stopped and wanted to see what you were doing. You know, you've got that thing. And that is from that's like J Lo <laughs> and Michael Jackson. You know, Reba. And do you ever think, Lord, why me? You've got that thing. It's like that's something that, you know, We couldn't keep our eyes off of you. Not everybody has that. Oh, that is so sweet of you to say that. Really, it is.
1: It's just something that I've always wanted. Ever since I was a little bitty kid, it was that good attention. Not the bad kind of attention that you get when you get in trouble. Mm -hmm. I wanted the good attention. So when mom and daddy would have people over to play Moon, a domino game, Peg, Susie and I would go in there and we'd sing for them. And they'd stop playing and they'd listen to our song, and then mom would say, all right, y'all get out of here. We're going to play our game. And, but I just love that attention. That's why I like to be on stage so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I loved it, too. I mean, I didn't know how to sing. I try try to tap dance on the hardwood, but I, I mostly I try to you know make people laugh. It's fun. You know, it's fun when everybody's having a good time. Oh, Reba, I got to open for Alabama. Oh, really? Yes, in South Carolina a few months ago, uh-huh. and Randy, all of them. I mean, when I l- watched them and how people love them, yeah, and they were so precious and would just hold their heart and blow kisses. And I got to sit back there with Randy's wife, darling, as country as I am, uh huh, yummy, yeah. But I'd realized country music. I've always felt a bond with country music because I was raised right outside of Nashville, so I would say. Johnny Cash and Gene at Sharon Williams buying paint. I've bought bras next to the Mandrell sisters. (laughs) I've eaten ice cream with Porter Wagner at Rivergate Mall. You know, Mm -hmm. growing up, I'd go to service merchandise and see all the professional wrestlers and the bluegrass people and Mm -hmm. all that. So I've always felt a kinship, even though I can't sing a tune. But when they let me open for them, I thought, oh, my gosh, these are my people. Absolutely. And I got to be at the Ryman. I sold the Ryman out in June. Congratulations. It felt like I was not even in my own body. Yeah. Then I, I got to do the Grand Ole Opry and I got to meet Whispering Bill Anderson. Yeah. And I have loved him all of my life. I grew up going to the Opry. My little Aunt Lila, who never had her own children, bought antiques. She bought Roy Acuff's Couch. And it was a, a pale green velvet couch, and we all just stood and stared at it for years because that was our claim to fame. Ain't Lila got Roy Acuff's settee. So anyway, i was just saying that the country music people are, to me, I think, because I've been out in L.A. a lot. And of course, you've been out there a lot more than I have. Mm-hmm. But country music people are, are really like down home people. Love the Lord. Yeah, I think they love the Lord. And I think they know where this gift comes from, and they're just precious to be around. And anyway, little Randy's wife, Kelly, I could have eaten her lips off. We had a ball. I met Kelly in 81 when we were all on the same New
1: Faces show. That was the up-and-coming artist. And so it was Alabama and Lacey J. Dalton, Big Al Downing, and Sylvia and me and that's when I first met Kelly. I haven't seen her in years, but uh, there was just a special kindred there between her and me that I've, I really thought the world of her. And I can see where you'd get along with her very well, too. Oh, we
0: had a ball she had on a flip-flop and was just as darling. And, and they're raising cows, and, and her grandkids yeah. are in 4-H. Lord, I was raised in 4-H. Anyway, I just— Me, too. <laughs> I loved oh, it. Oh, me, too. You were in a talent contest. In 4-H Club, was it called Share the Fun? I tell you what, I went to a 4-H camp in um, Columbia, Tennessee, when I was 10 years old. And I, I don't know what they called it, but I got up and sang Blue Moon. Uh-huh. Lord. But I, I mean, I got some good laughs. But um, but that, I don't know what that was called, but it was at that 4-H camp. That was in Columbia, right? Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I'd never been away from home. I was scared to death, and I don't know why I put myself in that talent show. If there was a stage, I tried to get on it, which is pitiful because there was not many stages around. And, Reba, this is crazy. I went to a little bitty darling country school. Future Farmers of America was big. Us too. All my friends worked in the fields, you know, got out at one thirty in the afternoon. I graduated 42 people, and four boys started the Red River Boys. Really? They got one record deal. Uh-huh. They did okay for four little boys, Yeah, and they would get out and sing songs, cover songs, and I'd go, you know, and I made out with a couple of them. Um, And uh, we had a speech and drama teacher that was precious, and we did improv, and all those boys were so talented, and one of them went on to Juilliard, and then was in the ABC Nashville. I'll be That series Nashville played Bucky. The manager. Uh-huh. And so I had these creative people around me in this little bitty country school. All of them were farming boys. Yeah. And we had a ball. And I remember that was one of those things in my life where I thought, I can do this. I can I can do this. But, you know, I didn't know how and didn't know so I went on to the University of Tennessee and made terrible decisions. Reba made horrible decisions in the eighties with men you wouldn't wipe your feet on. And then through a bunch of, you know, terrible things, ended up marrying my husband and then selling jewelry and then becoming a comedian. Is that not crazy?
1: That's the American dream right there. It is.
0: It is. It's been a wonderful time.
1: Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be right back with more. Okay, Leanne, on each episode of our show, we like to play a game inspired by one of our guests. And as country ladies ourselves, with, of course, only the best manners, I thought it'd be nice to honor the time honored tradition of the Southern backhanded compliments. So, you know, when somebody says, Oh, bless her heart, you know, that's just a real sweet way of saying, What the hell are she thinking? <laughs> <laughs> So we're each going to think of a scenario, maybe a recent interaction at the supermarket, something you saw someone do at a restaurant, you know, our crazy family and stuff. And I'll tell you, I had a lot of bless your heart moments while we were out in Las Vegas with tall drinks that they'd have. (laughs) We called them uh, adult sippy cups. Yeah, yeah. And they'd be walking around playing slot machines. And oh. some of the girls had mascara down around their cheekbones <laughs> and, you know, been out all night long. And us going to breakfast and seeing that, that's an old bless her heart moment. That is
0: one, honey. Yes. Lord. Tons of those out there. I don't know if I can beat that with women in a casino with mascara down to there. All right. You know, there's a, I can tell you this. I was down in, in Nashville on Broadway. I had to do a private corporate thing for a insurance agency. That's how glamorous my life is. <laughs> and there were <laughs> there were women drunk down there, and somebody was pushing a cart that had, I think, cannabis marijuana in it. Uh-huh. And there were people with dogs, and I don't even know what all I had not seen. I had not been on Broadway, and I don't even know when's last time I was on Broadway. But that little girls. Uh-huh. I say little girls, you know, bachelorettes and short shorts mm-hmm. and riding scooters and their thighs jiggling because everybody's been through the pandemic and eating bad, and people just honky tonking and making out and slapping and doing. And I thought, what in the world is all this? this is there was many that I thought, bless his heart, bless his heart, yeah. yeah, peddling, peddling and drinking. I've never understood how somebody could pedal and drink. You know, they've got those things that, those, I don't know what they're called, but they're peddling with short shorts on. Pedal tavern. The tavern. Pedal taverns. I'm just shocked more people don't fall off those things. Oh, I know. This is
1: a bless your heart. When you're walking around, talking on the telephone, trying to get into the car, looking for your purse, looking for this, (laughs) and then look over at a person and say, have you seen my phone? And they're talking on it. I've done that before. Or you're looking for your glasses and it's up on your head. Where's my glasses? Oh, they'll
0: turn up. As soon as you bend over, they'll turn up. <laughs> oh, yes. Heart. And my 23-year-old that's had to be at home during the COVID, that makeup artist, I have driven her. She goes, you're making me. I'm going to have a nervous tick because I'm always around her going, where's my phone? And she'll be, you're, you're mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> yeah. She is so tired <laughs> of me. You know, now i got an Apple Watch, and the only thing I use on this Apple Watch is the thing that dings to help you find your phone. Oh, no. (laughs) That's the only thing i figured out. I need to be exercising and closing my rings. Matter of fact, I've got
1: one, and I've never taken it out of the box because I just hadn't had time. We've been in Vegas, and so we just got back. So I need to get that out because that would be worth wearing a watch. To find my phone. That's
0: the only thing that's worth doing. I'm not
1: kidding. 90% of my time is looking.
0: I know. That's all I do. Okay, I'm going to be in Las Vegas at the Wynn, Encore Theater, March the 10th. And my husband, he works all the time. The only time he's ever wanted to come to a show is when I was working with Jeff Foxworthy because he was a fan. And then he said, where are you going to be in Las Vegas? And I said... It's called the win, W Y. He goes, I know what the win is, and so he's going to come out there. And um, oh, good, yeah, he wants good to come and, and see me out there. So I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited for you. I knew y'all were doing that Vegas run. Yeah, I've always wanted to see y'all out there. Oh, I wish you had a Brooks and Dunn, right? Y'all, but y'all finished it. Yeah, we finished in
1: December. Our last run there, we had a great time. We started in 2015. And it was just a real unique show. We came on together and I'd leave and they'd do three songs. Then they'd leave and I'd come back on. Then we'd get back together. It was a lot of fun. Oh, wow. But good luck to you, Thank you. at the win, March 10th. Okay. You're going to do concerts all over the country then, right?
0: Yes. I have this 100 city tour. I've probably got 75 cities left. Good Lord. It's without back concerts out of Nashville. Mm-hmm. And I'm all over the United States, and they're adding dates all the time. We're adding second shows in some places. Wow. Yeah. Good for you. I'm going to have to get IVs to be able to <laughs> do it. Lord, murder. I'm on testosterone, estrogen cream, progesterone, oral. I've got my vitamin D levels up. I mean, I'm supposed to be exercising it. They go, you better train like you're gonna go to the Olympics and I said, okay. And then I never did a thing, but I, I'm gonna try to do better so that I have the stamina to do this. Cause you know it's hard. Lord, you've been doing it, it how is. many years? I I shouldn't even say that. Well, this is my forty sixth
1: year in the professional that's not counting the clubs, beer joints, honky-tonks, and rodeos I played. Oh, my. But good luck to you. Thank and you. And I was going to say, anybody who wants to find out where you're going to be, all they got to do is get on your website, right? Yes. LandMorgan.com slash tour. Yeah. It's all on there. I, I'm going to do that myself. I
0: want to come see you. Oh, my darling. I would love for you to. And I just did the rhyming, and I, they offered me the Grand Ole Opry by myself. Uh-huh. And my team wants me to wait until... 23, I think. But I'm going to be all over. And if you're ever anywhere Excellent. and you want to go, oh, I would be thrilled to have you. And you can eat cheese and crudite in the back. They always have me a little bit of vegetables with dip. And uh, uh-huh. they got me on this Ghirardelli caramel sea salt dark chocolate squares. And I've got to get <laughs> off of them. I eat them at night <laughs> after I get on stage and I'm Lord, I'm going to end up diabetic if I don't, but they're so good. They're so good. And I was drinking a little bit of red wine every night, just a little dab uh-huh. that made me have hot flashes and I wallered in the bed all night. So I'm going to get off of that, but it, you can <laughs> drink the wine and I'll drink a Diet Coke. And have a little chocolate. Well, you don't. Honey, thank you so much. Reba McIntyre, I've got your sheets. Oh, my gosh. Do you really? Oh, yeah, I do. Lucille Fletcher, my little mama, honey, would rather go to a Dillard's in Clarksville, Tennessee, and find your sheets. She has bought several sets, and they have held up so wonderfully. I am thrilled to you. I'm not that. kidding. I could go and show you. I could go put my hands on them. Yeah. But anyway, you don't. Honey, thank you. This has been like me getting to go to the prom. I'm not kidding.
1: Well, you are too sweet. It's been a blast to get to talk to you again. I'll just remind everybody that your 100-city Big Panty Tour on the road right now. <laughs> get on the website, leannemorgan.com slash tour. And you just you're just precious.
0: Thank you, Ray. You get
1: any free time? Let's go have a glass of iced tea and some meatloaf and fried taters and
0: oh, something. Oh, I like that. would love that with green okay. peas. I would love that and maybe a little cobbler. Okay, I'll go for that. Or we could go to Cracker Barrel and have some dumplings. Oh, I would love that, Ray. But thank you, my darling.
1: Leanne, thank you. Good visiting with you.
0: Thank you.
1: Good luck on your tour. Thank Stay you, safe, my
0: darling. Thank you.
1: Thank y'all so much for tuning in to Living and Learning here on Spotify. This has been a great season. Thank y'all so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. It's been my honor and my pleasure getting to be a part of this podcast. Y'all stay safe and healthy. And until next time, see you later. Well, thanks for listening to Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre, a Spotify original production. Our lead producer is Dylan Rupert. Our executive producers are Gina Delvac, Yossi Salek, Danny Trebatch, and Justin McIntosh. Editing by Cheryl Crosby. Original music by Doug Sizemore. Special thanks to Leah Edwards, Robert Adler, Casey Simonson, and Kyla Conero. I'm your host, Reba McIntyre. Follow us only on Spotify.